we stand for the gospel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we do stand in honor of reading the gospel, which comes to us from Luke chapter 7. Hear these words of the Lord. Soon after, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward, and he touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about Jesus spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. For those of you who don't know, uh, I had a total knee replacement about seven and a half weeks ago. And when I agreed to preach, I said, I'll do it, but there's no way I can stand through three services. So thus, I want to claim that women have preached in this pulpit for many years, but I'm going to claim that I'm the first woman to preach in this pulpit sitting on a bar stool. How's that? Friday, I was uh, preaching at Friday Church, and they got quite a kick out of it, too. If you don't know, Friday is our recovery service, and uh, a lot of them got a kick, too, that I was sitting on a bar stool with them. So, Before coming to the church staff, I served for a brief time as a chaplain in a local hospital. And one night, I was called to the uh, nursery at the hospital, and I was greeted by a nurse who said that a chaplain had been requested to baptize a newborn baby. So I was it. But what I soon discovered was a tiny one-and-a-half-pound baby girl who had just been born and wasn't expected to live. Her mother had been on drugs and had not wanted to see the child, And yet, she had enough love in her heart that she wanted that child to be baptized. I was shocked to see such a tiny life hanging in the balance, lying there in the bassinet with no one to hold her or care for her as she struggled to live. My heart was filled with compassion for this little gift, and so I carefully picked her up and baptized her and just held her watching for each fainting breath. And within a few minutes, she took flight back to the arms of her maker. And it was in those moments as a chaplain that my heart broke, and I was reminded about what I already knew. Life is not fair. 
All around us, there's violence and war and death. Bad things happen to good people. And there's suffering and despair among many who are oppressed by the systems that are supposed to help them. And we, like a tea bag in hot water, can slowly become steeped in the culture of our day and become numb to the forces around us that actually work to reinforce the despair in the world. We can find ourselves in subtle and maybe not so subtle ways living into the rules of this world. Rules that imply either implicitly or explicitly that We deserve to have what we want, and we shouldn't have to suffer. And then when the realities of life do hit us, which they will, and we reach the end of our rope, we have to blame something or someone, and so often we blame God. We get angry at God, we pull away from God, or we simply quit believing in the only true source of life. And it begins to feel to us like the scales, the balance of life is against us. In both of our scriptures passages today that we read, we see two widows who have come to the end of their rope. They are trapped by the unfair system of the culture in which they live, a tradition that says they have no power without being connected to a man. They are dependent on the men in their family to protect them and to provide for them. And yet, in both instances, these providers have died. First a husband and then a son. And they are facing uncertainty and perhaps even death. The widow of Zarephath is quite literally facing her last supper, the scripture says, because of a drought in the land. She has only a small amount of grain and oil left in her possession so that she can feed herself and her son. She's getting ready to prepare for her last meal and die. And then later in that passage, she's faced with the death of her child. And then in the Luke passage, the widow must face death and burial of her son as well as the death of her future. So we can identify with these women at some points, for we have all faced moments of death, whether it be the death of a loved one, the death of of a career, the death of a family unit through divorce, or the loss and limitation of life due to illness. We find ourselves, like the widows, out of options, out of choices. And in the darkness of that tomb, we cannot see that resurrection is possible. In the gospel lesson, Jesus had been busy in the town next door, and as a result, there was a crowd that was following him as he enters into the city of Nain. But he is greeted by a crowd at the city gates, a crowd of mourners who are carrying a man to his final rest and place of burial. As Jesus looks on this scene and sees the plight of this man's mother, a widow, he is moved to compassion. Now the word compassion here in the Greek refers to the bowel. It suggests that real compassion is about being affected so deeply that we feel it in our gut. 
and we suffer along with the other person in some way. And I would also suggest that real compassion moves us to action, as is the case with Jesus. Now, it's interesting to note in other stories we have in the Gospels where there is a healing miracle, the person being healed or a family member has asked Jesus to heal them. They've come to Jesus, they've sought Jesus out, and Jesus has compassion as they express their faith and believe that he is the one who can deliver them. But in the Luke passage, the woman has not asked for a thing. And yet Jesus sees her pain, her need, and is moved to help her. As was the Jewish tradition of that day, a body must be buried within 24 hours of the death. So this mother is so very fresh in her grief and her awareness of her now dim future that she probably doesn't even see Jesus come into the city gate. And perhaps she doesn't even know who Jesus is. But Jesus sees her and immediately has compassion for her plight. He approaches her and says something that might seem a little odd to us at first. He tells her not to weep. Now, being the pastoral care person that I am, my first thought would be that that's not such a good thing to tell a woman who's just lost her son not to cry. But Jesus isn't telling her to shut off her feelings. He's revealing a new truth to her. He's letting her know that she has nothing to weep about at this point, for he is going to bring her son back to life. And where there was once despair, now there is resurrection and renewed hope for this woman. When Jesus died and was buried, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, lost all hope as well. For in their limited sight, they had not known resurrection could even happen. Now they had seen people like the widow's son raised from the dead. But that was a temporary fix. Those people would die once again. But they had not experienced a resurrection of eternal hope and everlasting promise through this risen Christ. And in their fear in that locked upper room, they were surprised when Jesus shows up full of compassion and love for these his dearest friends. For death is not God's desire, nor the final answer. Jesus proves that once and for all by moving from the cross to the grave to resurrection. And that's why we who would follow Jesus have to have the eyes that are focused on compassion and resurrection like Jesus, for it is the hope of this world. And it is happening all around us. And the things that once defeated us are being changed and new light and renewed life spring forth. It's like putting on those 3D glasses at the movies. It opens up a whole new dimension of seeing. But in order for us to be people of compassion, and perhaps even facilitators for resurrection, we have to do some things. First, 
we have to pay attention. As Jesus came into the city of Nain, he noticed. He noticed the situation and the people before him. He saw the pain of that woman, and he recognized her plight. To be compassionate of people of faith, we have to pay attention and to listen. Listen to stories of people and to be attentive to those in our midst. And then we have to actually care. In more coarse language, we have to give a damn. How easy it would have been for Jesus to just sidestep that funeral procession so as not to bother them or not to get in their way. No one would have expected him to heal every sick or dead person in his path, right? And it's easy for us to get so caught up in our own world, our own schedules, our plans, that we don't have time or we don't choose to take time to stop and help another or even the eyes to see what's going on. It's easy in these days of dissension, violence, and chaos in our world to insulate ourselves. It's the safe way. And we become skeptical that the kingdom of God could actually be happening today in the here and now like we claim when we pray the Lord's Prayer. But we are the instruments that God uses to bring healing and wholeness in our world today. And if we don't really care to be a part of that team, then what is our faith about? We, like Jesus, must be ready to see with eyes of mercy and love and be moved to actually care about what's going on around us. And we have to believe, actually believe, that healing and resurrection can happen. Sometimes it's hard to conceive in certain situations, and most often healing is not instantaneous. But our faith reminds us that with God all things are possible, and God is working good in God's own unique way out of our brokenness. And perhaps healing doesn't really come in the way that we see in Scripture today. I don't know. But I believe that there is movement from death to life. Resurrection. All around us. I spoke with a woman this week who was dealing with a lot of pain in her family. But even in the midst of the tragedy and chaos... Tiny rays of light had begun to break through, and relationships that had been broken were being mended, and people who had done wrong were able to seek forgiveness and restoration. And there it was resurrection. Every time I go to Friday church, I'm reminded that resurrection is happening right there in those very pews, these pews as those whose lives have been claimed by the intruder that we call addiction are being raised step by step, inch by inch, to new life. And they are in the process of emptying themselves of those things that keep them stuck. And they are moving from a temporary fix to transformation 
and resurrection. And resurrection can happen for you today. I'm obviously not just talking about being dead and coming back to life quite literally, but I'm talking about the many ways that through our salvation, through our relationship with this God of compassion, that we have the opportunity to die to self. We have the opportunity to surrender and to let go of control and to invite God to bring new life where there was once the stench of the grave. The God that we serve is a God of compassion who loves us and whether bidden or unbidden knows our heart, knows our frame, knows our pain and walks alongside us on this journey that we call life. Thanks be to God. And the meal that is spread here before us is a reminder of the compassion of God who raised Jesus from the grave to everlasting life. And it's a reminder that resurrection, new beginnings, are a possibility for all of us as well. So the invitation to eat and drink is to all who hunger and thirst for this God who makes all things new, this one who is our companion on the journey and who provides grace and mercy along the way. And knowing that we are not alone, that God is full of grace and mercy, when we are at our weakest even, brings an internal peace to our hearts for us as believers. And that peace resides in each of us today. And it's yours to share, to share with others around you as you stand and say, may the peace of Christ be with you and also with you.